Okay, Will and Doug, thanks for joining us. Again, we're going to talk a little bit now about cybersecurity because cybersecurity is so fundamental when it comes to IT modernization that I really want to get your thoughts. You guys are leaders in this space, and I think you'd be able to help agencies navigate their path forward. We look forward to talking, and it's uh, timely, Greg, uh, sitting here in week three of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, so we're happy to have the conversation. Modern cybersecurity is all about risk management. So how can agencies make sure that they are lessening their risk moving forward? There's a long list of items here. One trend we've noticed, in fact, Cisco published it in our mid-year cybersecurity report. Overwhelming percentage of uh, public sector entities, uh, just over half, I should say, said that breaches really drew uh, cybersecurity improvement. So really, we're seeing uh, agencies being very reactive, so driven by response as opposed to exactly what you said, approaching uh, security as a risk-based endeavor and proactively architecting uh, really a holistic view at security, which goes beyond just hardware and services and infrastructure into things like culture and hiring and things of that nature. So I think number one, first and foremost, to take the time and energy to be more proactive in the security approach as, as opposed to being encumbered by always reacting to, uh, to breaches and what have you. Outside of breaches, what are you hearing about overall agencies' environments that are you know sort of pain points and that IT modernization can help relieve some of that stress? So at its highest level, and we've talked about this before, Greg, with regards to IT modernization, the, the legacy equipment that everyone's very familiar with, it's restrictive, for two reasons. Number one, it's innately vulnerable. We're talking about hardware and software that's beyond support. Uh, it has vulnerabilities in it. So just in its current state, it's very vulnerable. The second piece with the antiquated technology, agencies aren't able to take advantage of an advanced threat defense capability. So that relates to your reference to uh, IT modernization. It's pretty simply stated. I'll tell you one thing that I hear consistently is complexity. I think over 50% of Cisco customers, maybe it's over 60%, have more than 50 security vendors and tools. Just imagine trying to staff an organization to be able to effectively implement it, monitor it, manage it, make changes. That's like, you know, every time you get a new neighbor, you put a new lock on your door. It's difficult and people can't keep up with it. So when we talk about things like modernization, how do you make security part of that original discussion? How do you make it part of your platform? And are we getting tools that scale when we think about scale, it's not just, can this support my user needs, but can I support the scale of my staff? Because we're finding a talent shortage, it's difficult to get enough people in there to effectively manage this, and, and we're wearing people out. With the technology that we were talking about, with what Will was saying when it comes to breaches, I would love to hear how agencies could move faster when it comes to patching. Is it a technology problem? Is it a workforce problem? Is it a little bit of both? I'd love to hear both your thoughts. It's really a holistic problem, I think, to swing to the workplace. The theme for week two of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month was cybersecurity in the workplace is everyone's business. And I, I think you nailed it. I think there needs to be a recognition and a prioritization that patches are a security concern and a risk concern. And that goes to educating the entire workforce with any given agency. I, I, all too often, just from talking to individuals, uh, both professionally and personally, uh, a, a lot of times patches are misunderstood. They're, they're thought they're just to bring about a feature or a fancy new bell or color in an application. 
when ultimately one of the primary reasons is to address security patches. So I think driving that through through the technology concern, through the culture, and through the uh, the organization will help increase the the priority with regards to patches in the context of security. Okay. I think the other piece with regard to patching is it goes back to complexity. You know, how many things do we have to touch? How do we make time to do this? What's our plan? If your readers have, have read Phoenix Project, that's a book that sort of talks about this move into DevOps and how do you align your resources and your time. The agencies that I've seen most successful and the customers that I've seen most successful are the ones that make a priority of how do I accomplish my mission? What's the day-to-day IT business we have to do? How do I make time for maintenance, right? We all make time to get a haircut, take our car in for an oil change, things like that. That's what's happening with patching. We need to make time for it. You need to make sure you've got the staff and the resources to accomplish it. And then ultimately you can kind of avoid that fourth piece that's a big time sink, which is unplanned outages, unplanned activities, shortages, people leaving, all that sort of thing. So if we can work with people to help them understand what's the best way to do the care and feeding of the environment we're working with you to put in place, I think the more effective the patches can be and the less disruptive. Moving from the technology side to the real people side of this, what needs to be done more as far as accountability? I mean, I I feel like there's been a lot of legislation that has pushed accountability inside agencies. But Will, as you were saying, you know, the theme of the second week of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month was it's everybody's responsibility. So I would love to hear how you think security people can tailor the message so that people at the secretary and undersecretary level really understand the risk involved with cybersecurity. We love that the EO calls out agency head accountability because we know that'll drive accountability throughout the organization. One of the reasons that we love that, we've positioned our cybersecurity partnership with the agencies as our customers as to really enabling the mission. So when the agency head is accountable for cybersecurity as well as the mission itself, those two items will become uh, inextricably linked, which really feeds into how we're trying to help agencies defend against threats. So I think it's as simple as with an agency head being accountable, uh, that will drive through the organization into different accountability measures within each of the organizations themselves, uh, whether it's conditions of employment, whether it's compensation measures, whether it's performance measures, depending on how the different organization agencies measure it. But I think it's key and you introduced that in the question itself, Greg. It's just key that the agency heads themselves are now accountable, which is something that has never happened. As it stands today, each agency seems to be going about the management of risk in their own way. Do you think that there is a central way that they need to be doing that? I mean, I know we have the NIST framework in place, but even beyond that, is there sort of a centralized way that agencies should be thinking about their risk? I truly believe the NIST cybersecurity framework is very good central mechanism for doing that. It, it spells it out very clearly in a language and framework that is acceptable to all, even beyond the U.S. federal government. It connects to vendors and partners and service providers very well as to aligning capabilities towards risk. And again, it's all geared towards managing risk, a cyber risk management framework. So I think that's as good a common baseline as any, Greg. I would also love to talk about, you know, we were just talking about how there are workforce and budget shortages when it comes to cybersecurity. And I think something that could alleviate that is a little more information sharing between the agencies. So I would love to hear your gentleman's thoughts on 
how to drive interagency collaboration a little bit more so that it kind of lifts the entire federal government cybersecurity stance to a better place. Part of managing your risk is hold your information close to your vest. But to your point, you know, there are opportunities to help other people become better prepared faster by sharing this. We find that through our own threat intelligence. You know, I think you'll see some of that through a lot of the work that they are doing with DHS, through things like the CDM program and some of the dashboards that are there. There is some sharing of that. There are a fair number of forums around the city where people have opportunities to kind of get together and share, maybe in a more formal sense, you know, some of the elements they're working on. And I think there's a pretty strong informal network in place of a number of government workers around what they're facing and what they're running into. And I think anytime we get an opportunity to create a platform or opportunity, whether it's sessions like this or you know, maybe requirements for some sort of quarterly review or annual review for each agency that'd probably be valuable. It could be included in their you know, state of the agency update. I think this is an area where public and private sector partnership is, is key, Greg, with examples such as the Cyber Threat Alliance, which is a, a great story of private sector technology providers, competitors, uh, albeit do a job for the, for the greater good. Joining peers in the industry to, to protect uh, customers, the industry, and, and really anyone who uses the, uh, the internet. But I think that's really good. And of course, the Department of Homeland Security is, is in the center of all this with their initiatives and mechanisms to share information. And within the private sector with technology and service providers, that group of individuals has an ability to see so many threats world and the extent we can get markers and intelligence and information and research around those areas as a an aggregate um, set of data along with all the agencies themselves I think that's for the better good you know, Greg you're asking kind of from a people question I think there from, from the question but I think the other element in terms of speed of response is you know the effective use of automation in your tools I mean what we find is there's simply no way I referenced earlier the complexity and how to keep up with all these different tools even if you've got a limited tool set, being able to identify what's the constant flow of risks and threats coming my way is, is daunting. And, uh, you know, there are, we're seeing a significant increase in the number of organizations and individuals that have bad intent. And we've got a limited number of people working on this. So putting in tools that will leverage things like artificial intelligence, you know, be able to write algorithms that make algorithms that make sense out of this automation so that when one piece of your environment sees this problem, you can share with all the other pieces in your environment. And that environment can include the entire federal government or contractors with whom you work. I think that's where you start to see some economies of scale. You start to see the increase in speed around sharing. And then you can do a debrief and a lessons learned. And that's where we, the people can start to come back in and say, here's what worked, what didn't work. How do I need to tweak this, move my knobs on this and move forward from that point? You hit it really well, Doug, when you have a you know, really an integrated uh, architecture and uh, having the ability to see a, a threat in one place and block and infect against that in all all places in your network, which, by the way, could be a network. They could be the cloud. They could be on, on the endpoints in an organization. Yeah. And then then that even further to the entire federal government from agency to agency. I think that's a real key point. So with automation kind of works hand in hand with the shortage that we're seeing in cybersecurity, especially within the federal government. So I would love to hear how you think advances in technology like automation really help simplify agencies' protection that they need to instill inside their systems. 
The talent shortage isn't limited to the government. It's an industry and global problem around cybersecurity talent shortage. In fact, there's negative unemployment in the field. How this manifests itself is not only is the lack of talent unable to really put forth a holistic strategy and becomes more reactive, but even in that regard, with the talent shortage, organizations and agencies uh, fall short on, on their response capabilities. In fact, some of our studies have shown that only two-thirds of all alerts received in the public sector space are investigated. Uh, of, of in that grouping, about a third of them are legitimate threats. And then of that legitimate threat category, only half are remediated. And that's due primarily to organizations' uh, talent shortage and, and inability to address those alerts. So getting back to your question, Greg, when steps are taken to reduce the complexity of the environment, that allows talent to understand the environment and adopt tools at a, a quicker, more effective pace. To the extent the tools that do exist in the environment are open and can talk with one another, leads to a better automation platform where tools can see threats in one place, respond and block threats uh, across the entire environment, spanning the network, cloud, spanning endpoints. And when an architecture has the ability to do that in an automated fashion, talent can be better used, uh, spent on high value activities and not spent chasing and triaging different alerts across the environment. And if I can just add to that, my other thought as how it relates to the workforce is your platform should be a force multiplier. It should be able to get to things faster than you could, no matter how many people you added, certainly at much less cost. And I think the thing that really drives effective automation is scale. Size matters, right? It's all based off what is the likelihood of the fact that I'm going to see something, and then do I see it multiple times, and am I able to respond to it quickly? And so if you are selecting a platform where you may see 600 million emails a day versus another platform that maybe sees 20 million, your opportunity to leverage that automation and be able to see risks coming in, threats coming in, how people are responding more quickly is uh, exponentially magnified by selecting a, a platform of appropriate scale to your requirements. Thank you, Will and Doug, for your insights there. Everyone is concerned with cybersecurity these days, especially since the stakes are high for the federal government. As the public sector's networks and data in question contain some of our nation's most important and most sensitive information, it's for good reason that we continue to have these conversations. Don't forget to check out part one of our conversation with Will and Doug, where we talk about how Cisco is helping agencies handle IT modernization across the board. For more episodes of CyberScoop Radio, check out cyberscoop.com. I'm Greg Otto. Thanks for listening.